Are you into Jethro Tull? Because I got their album called Aqueous Humalon. Exactly. It's nobody else has a jazz flute like uh, Jethro Tull, man. No, and nobody has a harmonica like the uh, guy from the Blues Traveler. Like, oh, or, is that what they were called? Yeah, really that good. guy. That guy rules. Yeah. I can't do it. Hey, and welcome to On Site, the On Site Eyes podcast. I am your host, Greg Balla, joined as always by my estimable colleague, Jeff Schwamm. Well, thank you. Nice to see you. Good to see you as well. And today, we are talking about the miracle of vision. Oh, yeah. Got those two eyes in your head. What do they do? I mean, that's what we're going to talk about today. What do they do? How do they work? What makes them work? All of that fun stuff, the apparatus of the eye and how it contributes to what we call vision and what we call uh, visual image and visual perception, if you will. Mm. Yeah. So uh, Jeff and I are going to take a deep dive into this t- today. And I think before we begin, uh, maybe we should give a little disclaimer. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Um uh, I do want to start this off by saying that neither, neither Greg or I are doctors. It might come as a surprise because, no. you know, doctors could certainly, you know, run podcasts and we've had other doctors, including neurosurgeons on our show, but, right. uh, um, but we, we are not doctors myself. I am a certified, uh, licensed optician in the state of Massachusetts. So what that means is that I am um, allowed to fit eyeglasses, fit contact lenses. And a part of that is we do um, some learning about the anatomy of the eye, physiology of the eye, as well as optics. Um, Me personally, I also hold two national certifications, one that's called the ABO and the other that's called the NCLE. The ABO um, is a certification for eyeglasses and fitting eyeglasses. Um, And the other NCLE is for contact lenses. I also, in a previous life, was um, was actually a certified para-optometric, which means that I could assist an optometrist um, in doing eye exams. So there's no, oh. um, so that was a, a certification that I had maintained in the past. My father's an optometrist. A lot of his friends are optometrists. I've worked for optometrists and ophthalmologists, uh, both inside the exam room and outside the exam room. So I have some experience in terms of, um, you know, working with people and working with people's eyes. So I'm, that's my disclaimer on my end. What about, what about you, Greg? What's your background? Well, <laughs> thanks for that, Jeff. I mean, uh, yes, we were, we are putting out a disclaimer here that we're not eye care professionals, but it does turn out that you have at least three certifications under your belt and, and at least a family uh, practice of optometry. I, um, <clears throat> well, I, I come from, from a different background. I have a degree, a bachelor of arts in theater performance, uh, from Fordham University in New York City. So my background is nothing to do with optics or medicine whatsoever. However, I have been working in the optometric field for the last seven, eight years now. Um, so I have been able to garner a little bit of information along the way. So I think all of this is just to say that, no, neither of us are doctors. This is not medical advice, but this is really just kind of useful or interesting information, I think I would say, about the visual apparatus, which I, I find interesting. I think Jeff also finds very interesting and um, something that we just want to share with you to help us appreciate more and to know a little bit more about what's act, what are we actually doing um, when we're fitting somebody for eyeglasses or for corrective lenses and 
what are we doing to the image and to the light that enters their eye? And I think to kind of jump into that, maybe we should just start a little bit with just the structure of the eye and uh, and and how kind of light goes from traveling from an object through the eye and into the brain. So, so well, I mean, just from the very beginning, we have, and we won't go into detail about all the anatomy of it, but you know, there's the eyelids, which I think everyone's pretty familiar with. Yeah. Um, these open and close and protect our eyes. There's also tear ducts and oils that are produced in there. Uh, am I right in saying that, Jeff? You are. The eyelids um, are really a balance between, believe it or not, mucus, lipids, and tears all Ooh. functioning together in harmony to make sure that your eyelids stay lubricated, that they function properly. So um. yeah, you are correct with that. Okay, so far so good, one for one. Um, so I, I think in moving past that, we have the cornea of the eye right there. And that's yes. the kind of the outer coating. And this is the first, uh, or the outer layer, I guess, of the eye. And this is the this is the first thing that actually that light encounters that helps to focus the light back towards the retina. Absolutely. The, the cornea is actually the most refractive part of our eye. Uh, it's ah. one of the most outward portions of our eye. And in a typical eye, it usually accounts for about 70 to 75% of our eye's total power. Typically, it's somewhere between 60 to 65 diopters of plus power, which is basically an extremely strong, as I would say, wicked magnifying glass. <laughs> that's, I had no idea that the cornea had that much focusing power. That's, that's, that's news to me. Yes, very much uh, refractive power as opposed to focusing power, but it's all relative. Correct. Refractive power. Thank you for that correction. Um, now, moving beyond the cornea, be just behind the cornea would be the lens of the eye, right? And this is, this is the actual part of the eye that kind of uh, it contracts to uh, bend light rays just behind the cornea. So when it's contracted, it's kind of focusing the light more or refracting the light more towards the retina. And when it relaxes it's kind of uh, spreading that light out a little bit. Yeah, it, the lens changes shape. And you know there are different ways that the lenses change shape. Our ability, the ability of our eyes to change the lens's shape decreases over time, basically Correct. as we get older, which will lead to needing reading glasses, presbyopia, which we'll talk about later. Absolutely, yes. The stiffening of the lens with age, which is something we all can look forward to. Um, if okay. we live long enough, yes. If definitely. we live long enough, yes, of course. Now, from there, from the lens, now we we pass through the iris and the pupil. That's kind of the 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 iris is known as what it has the color, the pigment in the eye, I believe, and the pupil, that's which is that's that's correct. Um, and the iris, all of these things give the eye structure. So right. it's not just kind of a hole that has a pupil. That's a smaller hole that stuff comes into, all of these things are a part of the, the physical structure of the eye to make sure that it stays the sphere that it is. Correct. And if that, and if that sphere changes shape, it might affect um, the quality or the uh, clarity of the image that we see as well, which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit once we get to refractive error. Yes. So from the iris through the pupil, which kind of opens and closes with brightness and darkness, those are things that we're, most people are familiar with that just kind of regulates how much light actually gets into our eye. When it's bright out, they tend to dilate so that we can allow more light in. When it's uh, brighter out, they tend to contract. Did I say that right? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They get more meiotic. Um, so they get, they get smaller. Exactly. Just like Correct. the aperture of, if you're a person who is into cameras, uh, just like the aperture of a camera, if there's a lot of light, you want to get it small. If there's mm -hmm. not a lot of light, you want to get it nice and big to allow as much uh, light in as possible. Exactly right. Functions just the same as an f-stop would on a camera. That's correct. Now, from there, we pass through the intraocular fluid at this point, right? The 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 that's the fluid that fills the inside of the eyeball. Um, yes, you, there's you... there's two types of fluid that are in there. There's actually the uh, there's the vitreous fluid and there's also the aqueous fluid. So again, both of those are a part of keeping the structure of the eye from the inside, um, you know, the shape that it's at, that it's supposed to be. So yeah, it's what's interesting too. I do want to make a point that sometimes when people say, oh, there's fluid in the eye or something like that, like, can you get like blood pressure? Like can blood pressure impact the eye? And is, is specifically is vitreous or aqueous, um, you know, the vitreous humor, aqueous humor, is that the part where your blood pressure can really interact? The answer is in some very rare cases, yes, but for the most part, no. Um, oh. Eye pressure that we'll hear about and we talk about sometimes is actually related to, uh, you know, would be glaucoma related things. Um, and that is that is regulated from, from different portions. So to get back to what we are talking about, the vitreous Fluid, sometimes when you get vitreous floaters, which are floating around, it's, it's a part of this fluid that helps keep the internal structure of the eye uh, together. Excellent. Vitreous and aqueous fluid. Yes. Now we get towards the back lining of the eye, towards the retina. And now here's where things start to get interesting. Um, the center of the retina is a portion of the eye called the macula. Um, and within the macula is the optic disc, if I'm not mistaken. And this is kind yeah. of the most sensitive part of the eye. Yeah. Where the light they're, is... they're actually, sorry to interrupt you. The optic, the optic nerve and the optic disc are located in a different place than the macula. Very simply put, the macula is the seeing part of the eye. This Thank is you. the part of the eye that has the rods and the cones for color perception. Mm -hmm. Cones are for color rods are for typically for black and white. So it's, it's really the, the part of the eye. It is what it is. It's, it is the seeing part of the eye and it's right on the plane of the retina. So the retina being kind of this four dimensional plane where image comes on and is interpreted. Um, what's really cool about the retina is that it's the only living organ that we can see without cutting any skin. Oh. So you put a magnifying glass, usually like a retinoscope or something like that, and you take a look at the back of the eye and you can actually see it moving. Now, hang on. Can I push back on this? You sure can. What about the skin itself? What about the, it? The cutaneous system is an organ. The skin is an organ and you can see it without cutting into the body. Am I right? That is true. All right, I'm, uh, I'm nitpicking here. I'm nitpicking. You you are very much <laughs> nitpicking, but I appreciate um, what you're what you're what you're saying. And I want to go back to the to the macula part. So the the optic nerve is 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 in a little bit different um, place. And the optic nerve, the optic disc, all those sorts of things. The optic nerve is corrected is connected to the brain, and that's really where the image kind of comes in and connects physically with with the brain through the optic nerve. 
Right. That's that's where I think the miracle of vision actually occurs, right? Where you have these photoreceptors, the rods and the cones on the retina, and those photoreceptors get stimulated by the light that travels through our eye, it sends an electrochemical signal through the brainstem into the visual cortex of the brain. And that's yep. where the magic really happens. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely. Um, and it, it's, it's really neat. That's why, you know, when we do glaucoma tests and we do um, retinal examinations, I mean, these are the structures that we're looking on the inside of the eye. You know, when, if you've ever been in our event and we're, we're taking some retinal imaging, we're mm -hmm. typically looking at the optic nerve. We are looking at the vasculature. Um, you know, uh, we are making sure that the macula is in good shape. We're making, mm -hmm. you know, we're basically looking at the, uh, what are called the posterior, the, is the posterior segment of the eye, um, which is really the inside of the eye. A lot of the other things we had talked about previously, like the eyelids, um, one thing we didn't talk about was like the sclera, and then there's conjunctiva, and then, you know, you get into these other layers. That's really what we call the anterior segment, um, mm -hmm. where we right. are able to, um, there's really the front surface of the eye and the back surface of the eye. And right. those are all a part of regular eye examination beyond regular prescription. Correct. Correct. And now when, when, when we correct for things like refractive error, for example, when essentially what we're correcting for is just a, a misalignment of the focus of the eye. So the light that is striking the lens in the cornea does not focus cleanly on the retina. Either it's the lens and the cornea give us a little bit too much power there. So the light focuses either in front of the, just in front of the retina resulting in a blurry yes. image or too little power resulting in light that focuses just behind the retina. So in order to do that, we needed to add some corrective lenses to either add or remove power from the lens of the eye. And we can determine right. this whether someone is nearsighted or farsighted, right? Myopic That's, or yeah. hyperopic. So yeah, as, as you were saying, Greg, you know, it's, does the, does the image make it to the macula or does it not make it to the macula? So if an image comes up short on the macula, then that is typically symptomatic of a myopic eye. And Correct. so we, we need to, make it go a little bit longer so that it's able to get to, um, to, you know, to the macula, to the optic nerve and that sort of thing. And the, the same is the op, you know, the, the opposite is, is the same. So if the image is actually ends up in a virtual place beyond the retina, mm -hmm. then we actually need to ask, add plus power, hyperopic right. power to help bring the image back to where it is. It went a little too far. We need to pull it back. Right. Exactly. Another way of saying it is that if you are myopic, your eyes are, if you are myopic, meaning you are nearsighted, your eyes are actually overpowered. So we need to subtract power. And so your prescription will have a minus on it because we are removing power from the eye in order to get that image to focus on the retina. And the opposite is true for farsighted or hyperopic. Your eyes are actually underpowered. So we have to add some plus in order to focus the lie, the light squarely on the macula or the retina there. Yeah, that's, that's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent correct. Um, and sometimes that can be due to, um, you know, uh, too much power or not enough power in the cornea. Mm -hmm. Um, that can be the, the lens, the lens power, typically lens power, um, is usually around 14 to 16 diopters of power. 
Okay. So again, you talked about 63, you know, around 63 diopters of power. The cornea is like around 43 to 45. And then the lens is like around 16. So there's all these things that kind of happen that can be causing, you know, nearsightedness or farsightedness. And usually glasses, i.e. refractive error or contacts, refractive error can help, help solve some of those issues. And now one other common refractive error that we haven't talked about yet is something called an astigmatism. And an astigmatism, as far as I know, is, is really just a misshapen cornea or an unevenly shaped cornea that is also bending the light in a way that is either taking it just in front of or just behind the retina. Um, this can happen not always at a perfect 180 degree angle. It can sometimes happen in a slightly different axis. So when we have an astigmatism, one way we correct for this is by adding cylinder power. Yeah, that, that's right. You know, so if we, with astigmatism, the best way to th think about it is if an eye is, is spherical, like it, like a sphere, you know, like the earth, like a, like a baseball, like maybe not a baseball, but like a dodgeball, like where it's kind of perfectly round. That is something that is spherical. And we could, we can add regular old plus power or minus power to help solve that. But when the shape of our eye becomes more like a football, let's say, and it's, or it's more oblong or some cases irregular, then yeah, we need to correct, um, need to correct the astigmatism um, to, and, you, and you're 100% correct, to around the axis to make sure that it's basically neutralized. So we, what glasses are really doing is they're bringing our power, they're neutralizing the power that we're missing. So like if right. our eye is overpowered by plus three, right. then we're going to put a prescription of minus three in, so, in the front of someone's eyes so that exactly the number comes right. out to zero. And just balancing it out, right? That's, that's really all we're doing. We're bending the light that's coming from the outside world and in that striking your eye or your lenses. And we're just focusing or refracting that light based on whatever kind of refractive error you may or may not possess, just so that that image lands squarely on the macula. That's yeah. really all we're doing. Yeah, that, that's right. And, and to make one little touch up is that most, most astigmatism, a lot of astigmatism can happen and does happen on the cornea. There are also other forms of astigmatism, including a regular astigmatism that might be uh, deal with uh, in, in the lens itself. Like for example, if somebody has, um, if somebody has cataracts or somebody just has, you know, a different powered lens, that's another place that astigmatism can be located. So a lot of times, you know, and as people get older, when they're dealing with cataracts or the changing in the color of their eyes, um, the changing in the clearness of their, their lenses, excuse me, um, sometimes like when we remove the cataract and put a, an actual other lens in to replace it, we can correct for astigmatism that might be located in places other than the cornea. Right, right. So yes, there are very many nuances and variations. And again, this is, we're just kind of scratching the surface of the th kind of three big buckets here of refractive error, but it's, it's all part of the fascinating apparatus that is our visual structure. And uh, it's something that continually fascinates me the more and more I learn about it. Um, one kind of cool thing I'd like to throw in here, and this, this may be the fact of the podcast, in my opinion, is that, <clears throat> and bear with me here for a second. All right. Light in and of itself has zero luminosity. 
And by that, I mean that if you could, if you had like one single photon just kind of buzzing through a dark box, there would be no, you wouldn't see a bright light or a flash there unless something was there, unless that light has passed through a uh, visual cortex of some kind of some sort of organism. So in other words, the light that we, we look around, things that we see right now is all just visible light. It's the visible light spectrum, right? And that's just frequencies of light that stimulate uh, certain, uh, certain cells in, in, our, in our macula, which create these electrochemical signals, which produce a visual image in our brain. But think of all the light that is still out there, microwaves, infrared, um, you know, ultraviolet rays. That light is still here, but it's just, it's invisible because light in and of itself has no luminosity. You cannot see it. The only time it can be seen is when it interacts with a visual processing system. So most light is actually dark. Does that make sense what I'm saying? A sound would just be a pressure wave if it didn't hit somebody's eardrum. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. a, a light would just be electromagnetic radiation until it hits somebody's visual cortex and then it becomes an image. That's, that's what right. it is. Like sound is a pressure wave until it hits the eardrum, then it's a sound. Right light is electromagnetic radiation until it hits a visual cortex and then bam, it's an image. I think that's yeah. what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. A long, it's yeah, a no, long it's, way to go, but <laughs> no, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It's um, yeah. I mean, it's the visual system is amazing. I mean, there's many, many different parts to it from the, what you were explaining there to its ability to change, you know, change power uh, to change shape. I mean, the eye itself, I mean, another interesting fact is like, the eye, each eye has typically six muscles around it that help with eye movement. Um, and a lot of people are like six muscles in the eye. Like that's, that's crazy. You know, that's, that's something crazy to think about, but the eye is really, it's really exactly. It's really it's amazing. Um, it's a really amazing thing that is, is fairly complex. And on our day to day, we wake up, right. We open our eyelids and we, we look out and, um, you know, I don't, I need a prescription for the computer, but for distance, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And so when I wake up, like my eyes perceive, perceive the things that, that I'm seeing. And really it's, it's pretty cool what they do. I mean, that's part of the reason that I'm into it. Um, it's obviously some of the, the sciencey stuff that, that makes you into it, um, <laughs> as well. And it's just been kind of fun, like learning about those things and, uh, and interacting with that knowledge, you know? No, absolutely. I mean, they are our primary sense for interacting with the world. I mean, you use them from the second you wake up to the second you go to bed uh, every day. And so it is important that we continue to take care of them and to give them the routine care that they need. So go to your eye doctor, get your routine eye exam, uh, bring on site eyes into your office, give us a call. Um, we're happy to come in, do some eye exams for your employees. It's important that we take care of the visual apparatus because that is in fact how we interact with the world to a large degree. So yeah, those are your eyes. Take care of them. They're yeah, windows to sure your soul. You, yeah, just be, be nice to them, you know? Don't abuse those contacts, don't overwear them. You know, the cornea is a strong thing. It's a very strong thing. Strong. Your family history is very strong. Your cornea is very strong. You don't wanna be messing with either of those things. Loyalty, Red Sox, Patriots, Bruins, Revolution, Lobsters. That's the tennis team. 
every time it kills me every time you do that voice man <laughs> what can you say i'm born born and raised born and well raised. i'm from massachusetts i'm from massachusetts man well thank god you were here for this one jeff this was uh <laughs> i think we barely made it through this one hopefully we didn't misspeak or piss any eye doctors off out there but if we did let us know about it uh leave us a comment or a review and uh we'll happy to engage uh, but in the meantime, in case you want to learn more about Onsite Eyes, you can always check out our website, onsiteeyes.com. And from all of us here at Onsite, thank you for listening. Take care of your eyes, and we'll see you next time. See you next time.